welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast, a podcast for farmers and ranchers ready to shift for a stronger future. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful are not. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, you'll hear how producers of all sizes and practices are moving mountains for things they believe in, all in the name of an industry that keeps growing and innovating for a stronger food system and stronger farm families. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to discuss where producers are finding success, challenging the status quo, striving for better, and keeping our heritage alive, all while producing the food we depend on. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. Today I have Charity Epperson with me. Uh, Charity is located in Northern California near the Sonoma County coast. And she grew up um, residing on a 2000 acre preserve, which I'm excited to learn more about that. And has always had a deep respect for nature and agriculture. Uh, With the help of her husband, Sam, and their son, Tristan, she has embarked on a journey of raising Icelandic sheep and cootie cootie pigs on some of Sam's family land there. And her passion lies in providing nutrient-dense proteins uh, while exercising responsible land and animal management and getting more involved in your community all the time. So I'm so excited to have you here, Charity. That's just a very brief overview, I'm sure, of what that journey was like to get to where you're at today. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the journey that you've been on to get to where you're at? Yeah, so um, I did I did, I did grow up on a 2,000-acre preserve um, in the Bay Area. Um, it wasn't as far from society as where I live now, um, but it was definitely more off-grid. Um, so we literally shared our water with the cattle. So whatever was in their trough, we it went to the house and it was like filtered through a water system and we had like probably one of the very first solar systems that was probably made. It was the it was the worst solar system. It ran one light and like a TV, or you could run like the washing machine and no lights. Um, so yeah, it was I like grew- homemade a homemade solar system, or it, it was one that was bought. So basically, my mom was hired. Um, she's a park ranger, or um, I shouldn't say she's just a park ranger. She's a naturalist too. Like she does like um. Uh, uh, guided hikes and like educational stuff um so she got hired to live and work on this preserve um so we like upped and moved to this preserve when i think i think it was like five um and yeah it was just it was the worst solar system that they they bought for the house and um we roughed it out (laughs) for a very long time like that um i had friends over and they were like why can't we have the light on (laughs) Not in the bedroom and the living room. And I'm like, well, you know. Um, so yeah, I grew up out there. So I learned a lot living out there as far as like um land management and how um the cattle and the sheep can like, you know, play an important role in in that. Um and I think that's kind of where my love for both of those came from. Um I, I got to we didn't own any livestock ourselves. Um really. We had, you know, we raise our pigs. We had a couple pigs that we raised for our freezer and a couple sheep we raised for the freezer. Um, but I got to go help um, on the neighboring ranch. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like, and just seeing the simplicity of it, um, yet it's not simple. Um, I just liked how it all kind of like intertwined. And so it always sat with me. Um, and I wanted, I wanted as, you know, an adult, I'm like, I really wanted, I, I really want to be a part of that. Um fast forward to an adult <laughs> um i married my husband sam and they have their their family ranch it used to be um 50, acres on the sonoma coast um it was one brother that owned it and then um the other brothers came over and it kind of got divvied up and so sam's family ended up with five thousand. um today it's only 1800 acres um and they lease it out to vineyards and cattle, um, cattle ranchers that live down the road. Um, and they themselves no longer um, have any ranching uh, stuff going on. So in 2018, I decided um, that I was tired of like the day to day. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after this. I'm gonna do it. I, I had a love for sheep. I had a love for pigs. 
Um, and so that's kind of what I did. Um, and it's just been kind of like a wild, like transition from, you know, going from like normal life to this and then living where I live <laughs> it has been so, um, just so crazy. Um, so that's kind of like how I've gotten to like where I'm at, um, with wild things ranch from like living on the preserve to living here and then just deciding enough's enough and I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I want to do and <laughs> be happy doing it. And I have the full support, um, of everyone around me for the most part. Um, everyone's been really great. And, uh, you know, on the hard days being like, Jerry, you got this, you got this. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like where I'm at with that. Um, that's incredible to have that support. It makes such a, such a huge difference, regardless of what you're doing. Yeah. Having that is so empowering. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, such a beautiful childhood, it sounds like, to get to grow up just surrounded by nature on that preserve. I always think it's funny hearing more of people's stories unfold than what I knew just from like following you on Instagram or, you know, content that you put online. Because I think that there's something about like the way people present themselves that we align with unknowingly. Um until we, and then when you, later you find out more, it's like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. I, um, when I was growing up, my dad worked for NRCS and he was a biologist and a soil conservationist. And so I approach ag, like that was my first introduction to ag was about wildlife habitats and, you know, that kind of thing. And it's so funny to hear like knowing now that that's probably why a big piece of why I resonated so much with your social media content is because we probably grew up very similarly in that. Yeah, and it, it is always funny to like see like uh, when you start to hear more people like more people's stories you're like oh that's why we like connect and like relate um yeah <laughs> it's funny it's funny um so that is really cool that you are getting this crazy opportunity um to do your own livestock on family land um when you got started with that you know you said that you it was a a change that you were looking for in your day-to-day and to do things that you were more passionate about can you tell me a little bit more about what that process was like was it like oh my gosh i need out so bad i need to do something different or was it a gradual thing that you were like i want to try this what did that look like it was it was more gradual. Um, I just I think experiencing burnout and it was so I own a photography business and um I love I love love loved it. Um but I think I think when you love something so much you and you're like, Oh, I'm gonna make money at it, sometimes that that thing just needs to remain uh, like something private, something um, that you can just go and enjoy. Um that's kinda where I got with the photography. I was like, I don't really like the business side of it. I don't really I just, I like to do it just for me. Um, so that was kind of like my realization. I was like, oh no, like I need to, I need to make a switch. So I did it gradually. Um, I actually didn't talk to my husband about doing it. I was just, I actually talked to my neighbor and I was like, I really want to do this. I want to get a few pigs and a few sheep and just kind of like feel it out. And I was like, I don't know, like, I, you know, I just don't think like Sam, my husband would be like, it she's like just do it she's like he'll 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 support you (laughs) I was like okay so I went and bought two pigs and um he was like okay this is cool and then I think it was like a year later I went and bought four sheep and he was like okay this is cool um the ranch used to actually be a sheep ranch um they used to have thousands of sheep and he used to help when he was a kid um so I think he thought I was gonna stop at the four (laughs) And I've just gradually been adding. I'm like, it's like chicken math, but sheet math. (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) But yeah, it's been it's been gradual. Uh, Recently, it's been like getting more and more um, because I think I'm at that point where I'm like in the middle where like it either needs to like go or just stay. Um, So I think I'm going. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's that it, it was a gradual switch and it was a really good switch too. like I, you know, I was able to like notify all my clients and and my family was like you seem so much more happier and i'm i was able to actually stay home um on on the ranch and not have to travel all over because that was like another big stressor stressor um and then i had the issue with my son so 
um, finding daycare <laughs> here is like so hard. Um, so it was always like a constant struggle. And my husband works out of town. So um, it kind of like when I started to look at the big picture of, of it, I was like, this actually works so much better for our lifestyle. Um, we can be at home on the ranch. I can be here with my son and I can I, I can start this business. Um, and so I I did it. Um, but like it was a gradual, gradual uh, shift into it. That's I don't think that. I think it was like a year before I decided I was going to like make it like a like a business um, before I actually like did it. That's really cool. You were able to kind of do that gradually. I think that makes it so much easier when you still have like some income that you can be bringing in and then you can gradually taper off and into the next thing. It makes it less yeah. stressful at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Um, I want to circle back to the off-grid piece um, because I am fascinated, absolutely fascinated by off-grid living. Um, and I know that it's like there's lots of different approaches to it. You can do it um, because it's fun and to see what, how far you can go off-grid. And some people do it out of necessity because of what's available to them in their area. Um do you guys are you still off grid at all or was that just growing up or what's that look like now so we actually um off grid i grew up off grid um and then i moved into town for college and stuff um and sam and i started dating and he had a house in santa rosa so we lived we lived um in town for quite a while before we moved to the ranch and then in 2008 um i think it was no 2009 we moved to the ranch um and he was like, Hey, so the house that we're moving into is off grid. And I was like, okay, <laughs> big whoop. I grew up off grid. Um, and he's like, no, this is like really off grid. And so we moved there. I was like, this is not like that bad. Like it had a generator, the solar panels worked, we had all the batteries, the whole house ran. Um, so we lit, yeah. So we lived like that for quite a while. Um, the only hiccup was our water. Um, it water now um well so there's a pipe that comes that they put in the ground and it goes into like three tanks and it's gravity fed um but right now no we're not off-grid i wish i could go back off-grid um i like it i like that feeling of i i can live and um and be like sustained mm-hmm. um but right now right now we're on a on electricity and i'm like turn every light off in the house if you're not in the same room <laughs> it's so funny how your um perspective changes about that kind of stuff when you go without it or do it differently for a while we've never done off-grid but when we so we recently moved to my husband's family farm that's been in his family for a long time and his grandma was living here by herself before us and the power to the house is very questionable. Here, <laughs> um, <laughs> probably the best way to put it. I think the original power line, or whatever they call it, the where the meter. I don't know. I don't know the, the language, but um, where they originally got access to the power at the house was like in night, like very beginning, and hasn't been touched since then so now that we are here and we have like a a young family that has things to plug in and lights that we want to turn on and there's um a lot of issues with the lights flickering if you put too many things on at the same time um so i actually am recording as you can see in mostly the dark (laughs) and i have to do it in the living room because the um light in where my desk is flickers if you leave it on for more than like five minutes (laughs) It's real, real fun to try to explain to people who are not familiar with those kinds of situations. But yeah, it becomes it does become interesting to explain stuff because I think everything's become so modernized and people, I think, are just shocked that there's still stuff like that. <laughs> like, right. Um, my mother-in-law's house is the same thing. It was built like so like way back when. And she's it's the same thing. Like you can't like there's like lights that flicker if you have too many lights on in the house. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's so questionable. 
<laughs> yes, very much so. I try not to say things like, oh, that's creepy in front of my kids because I'm like, it's just the power. Don't worry. <laughs> not supernatural activity or anything, but yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so are you guys, so now you have power and you um, have moved into a different home or what did you guys... Yeah, so in, um, I think it was 2013, um, we had a, it was my husband's uncle's house. Um, the, his uncle had passed away. It was a beautiful log cabin. <laughs> it was it was huge, um, but it burnt down. Um, we don't know what happened. We were just sleeping and the, it was on fire. Um, so we lost that. It wasn't anything that was permitted because the house was so old um so we moved into one of the hunt old hunting cabins and the old hunting cabin we've been remodeling um but it's actually one that my great-grandfather and sam's grandfather um re- like built together um and they all hunted oh. out of it and so i actually grew up like visiting that cabin that we live in now that's uh, crazy it is crazy so it's like funny to like I look around the cabin, there's still like little old like things from it that I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I did that when I was like, you know, my son's age. Um, and I tell, I, we told, we tell my son, my son's stories all the time. I'm like, oh yeah, like back when it was just like a hunting cabin, like we used to do this, or we used to do that. And he's like, this was a hunting cabin. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, like, really cool. All over used to come up and stay here. <laughs> that is really cool. Um, so as far as access to things in your area, how far away are you guys from like getting things that you need on a daily basis, getting things out to the ranch when you need them? What's that situation look like? So the ranch itself is it's 15 miles to the nearest, like I would say small general store. Um, and they have like, you know, your basic like necessities, milk, bread and cheese. Um, they, the new owner is actually doing a really great job with it and they're bringing a lot more stuff to it. Um, so that's about 15 miles. So it's about 45, 45 minutes one way um, just to there. Um, and then to actual like town town where there's like fuel and stuff, it's another hour and 15. Um, and that's even like a small town. Like they have a Safeway and um, two gas stations and that's, and then they have like a bunch of like, it's a tourist town. Um, so they have a bunch of touristy stuff. And then to actually like, go grocery shopping and like get all the things that I need, like livestock stuff. It's about um almost two hours um one way. So on when I go to town, um I'm normally traveling over a hundred miles. Um and it's like an all day <laughs> adventure. Um so that's just one way. The other way is you can go farther up the coast. They do have fuel and gro- and groceries, but everything is so expensive. I like it's I don't even know how people like afford the gas prices out there there it's so it's so crazy um so we don't go out that that way very often they don't have any livestock feed um or anything out there so i we don't go out that way so it's typically about two hours um to where i have to travel for for everything for the ranch makes you not want to do it very often i bet (laughs) no i i don't um i think i go um every other week um my son was in baseball and I was traveling twice a week to town and I was like, oh, I need this to you. <laughs> so bad. I'm like, I can't keep doing this. Um, and they just opened up spring baseball. So I'm like, oh, I only have a couple months off and I'm back to drive. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. It's a good podcast to kill time on that drive. Like, yeah. I love to listen to podcasts, but my son's like, hates it. And I'm like, I really need to like listen to some podcast, kid. <laughs> So I did buy a pair of headphones. I'm like, when I'm listening to podcasts, you can listen to your headphones and your music and I'm going to, I'm going to podcast it up. I have to do the same thing. My kids, they love to talk to me in the car, which is great. Like I love to talk to them, but sometimes on like long drives, I'm like, I just need to do something else. (laughs) Well, if you're driving a lot, you definitely get used to like, like ways to like entertain them and get their attention so you can't have a few minutes of like yeah <laughs> silence yeah i would every once in a while when i'm um needing like that moment of silence i'll tell my son i'm like hey like we're gonna play a silent game for five minutes and he's like you need a break huh mom and i'm like my brain needs a break yes 
<laughs> a little less stimulation, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, well, I think that that the how rural some of these places are that people in agriculture are out there living and producing whether livestock or crop is a huge factor in what that role on the farm looks like for you guys. Um, we are a lot closer here, but some other folks on the podcast have been in similar situations to you where it's like multiple hours to the nearest option to get anything. And it just, it complicates so much in your life that I think a lot of people really take for granted anymore that some of these things are specialty items that and it's hard to get them delivered too. We talked a little bit about that back and forth on Instagram. Yeah, I, I I think one of the biggest things I didn't think about when I started this was vet, like a vet coming out here. We don't have any vets that will come out um, at all to help, um, especially in like an emergency. Like when I first started, I was like, you guys won't even come out in an emergency. Like I'll pay you like 10 times the amount to come out and help. They're like, no, we don't travel out that far. It's just too far. And I'm like, so I, I've gotten a good relationship with them. Um, so they're more willing to talk me through things over the phone or lend like a ton of advice. Um, but there's some things like I just can't do cause I don't have, I don't either have access to the medications or I just don't know how to do. So, um, it's been, that's been an interesting thing to deal with. Um, as far as that goes, that's been like one of the biggest, my biggest stressors, um, with owning livestock is like I I'm I am the vet that's it <laughs> unless not- they're unless they're able to go unless they're I'm able to haul them to the vet um which occasionally that does happen um but the most part I'm I'm it yeah and that kind of situation is getting more and more common as large animal vets are getting less around <laughs> I know they my our vet just I think they just got re- one just retired and they don't have anyone new coming in um and it's it's just so sad as that gets like more and more yeah for sure well um i said when we started this i don't know a whole lot about sheep it's not super common in our area we're in kansas and there's not just a lot of sheep farms it's um like considered very specialty very specialty here oh really Um, so I'm anxious to learn more about sheep, the sheep and what all goes into that, what that looks like for you. So two questions. One, what was it about Icelandic sheep that you chose, why you chose that breed or that, yeah, that breed? And then two, can you kind of like walk us through the seasons of the year, the different things that you are doing throughout the year to manage your livestock? Yeah. Um, so the Icelandic breed, um, I had seen someone post on Instagram that breed. I think it was actually a Shetland, which is like they're, they're they look pretty similar. Um, and I was like, oh, what? like they look really interesting. So I started getting more, and the Icelandic sheep got brought up, and the sheep industry as a whole, like a lot of um, like like my neighbor, she has sheep and she raises Dorsets, and they, you know, they don't. To me, like the whole animal isn't utilized. Um, And so I really wanted to find something where I could utilize the entire animal. So um, when I have a, you know, set of um, sheep that go to the harvest barn, um, you know, their horns are being utilized. Their hides are being utilized um, because they have really pretty fleece. Um, When they get sheared, I'm able to use their wool um, for felting projects or I sell their wool for, for felting projects. Um, and, or in spinning projects. So I wanted a, a more dual purpose breed and I also wanted a hardy breed. Um, and I really, so when I went out, I actually went and visited someone that had Icelandic. So when I went out and visited them, I was like, wow, they're like really independent. I love their attitude. Like they have like a, um, a very independent wild attitude. Like they don't flock together like a normal sheep, which can be difficult when I'm trying to work them because like you might have like two that are like uh no I'm not stupid I'm not going in that pen like bye (laughs) um so it can be difficult but I really liked how strong and like independent they were um and they also because they are a heritage breed um hasn't changed much um they haven't been like changed a lot they they will stare down a dog which um 
for coyotes is actually like a little bit more comforting um, because I know that they'll at least try instead of run. Um, and we haven't actually had any predator attacks. So I'm like, I don't know if that's because we finally got guard dogs or the sheep are just that t- <laughs> that tough. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of why I chose them. They're just really pretty sheep. I love their attitude. I love everything about them. They are a little um, less resist or less resistant to parasites. So that is something we have to watch for a little bit more. Um, I don't ever really have any issues because of the way I manage my sheep. Um, and since you asked, uh, seasons, um, my, this is my slow season right now is breeding season. So it's kind of where I get to get caught up on other projects. Um, the Rams are all in with the U's. Um, at, the Isolatics are seasonal breeders. So they breed from end of October, I think to April, um, is when you can still have them breeding. Um, but we're normally lambing in late March through April, um, for us. And then spring and summer is just crazy. <laughs> like we're ro- constantly rotating sheep, um, constantly doing hoof checks and just sheep checks and everything um and i just acquired a new lease um with my mother-in-law so there's gonna be even more more work more rotating um i feel like that's all that i'm doing during spring and summer is like rotating like constantly rotating sheep constantly dragging electric bedding around um and spring is so spring's lambing too lambing season and lambing season um can get kind of crazy um it's when i'm super exhausted (laughs) um they typically are good mothers um they're very prolific um but occasionally you get a couple that need um that extra guidance or we get a couple bottle babies um but yeah and then fall um for us is normally it's a lot of the same rotating um i do in like end of summer fall i actually start doing a lot of fencing projects like anything that needs repairs like i'll have like all my electric netting out and i'm like (laughs) like with the wires like severing wires and adding wires together and my husband's like you look crazy in the front yard with all your netting laid out (laughs) um so yeah that's just kind of it how it is with the with the sheep they get sheared twice a year they were getting sheared twice a year i bumped it down to once a year um, per the recommendation of my shearer, because he doesn't want to come out here twice. Uh-huh. So they get sheared, and normally they get sheared in like May, right after landing season. So that's kind of our, you know, our schedule. Um, we normally send our meat lambs um, to the harvest barn. I think twice a year. So we normally do once in spring, and then once like towards the end of summer. And then that's kind of it. Um, like I said, they breed seasonal, so it's not we don't have like year round meat. Um, unfortunately, that's the only downside I would say with with that. Um, but yeah, unique to the Icelandic sheep that they're seasonal breeders, or is that just sheep in general? Some sheep will um, aren't, and some sheep are. So I mean, okay. it just d- depends on the sheep. Um, like I know my mother in law, I think has the, I think they're Katahdins, and they they breed year-round. Gotcha. Well, that's very interesting to hear what your seasonal cycle is like there with the sheep. And then I know you have the pigs as well. Is that Has that grown as well? Or how many of those do you have now? That's growing. It's growing a little bit slower because I focus more on the sheep. They're actually less work. Um, <laughs> um, and my husband and son actually prefer the pigs over the sheep. I, I love the sheep though. Um, they, I normally start breeding them, um, in December and we hope for like March babies. Uh, it normally ends up that I'm lambing and having piglets at the same time. Um, this year we had surprise piglets though, so it's going to get pushed back. Um, so yeah, they, they are a lot of the same too. Um, I don't rotate them, um, during like the rainy season like they kind of get like in like um area like a sacrifice areas um because they're pretty hard on the ground and we don't want them to tear up the ground too bad too bad um so yeah during end of fall through winter they're in the sacrifice areas and then when spring hits and they start having um their piglets they go out on the pasture and they're rotated um through the pastures <laughs> gotcha and then are you raising those piglets to harvest or what yeah 
So we so we have um, some offset, so much aside for um, harvest, and then um, I actually have like a pretty decent amount of people that um, like homesteaders that buy to raise for themselves. And I'm starting to do that with like the sheep a little bit. Um, I just sold my first pair of lambs to a homesteader, so that was like kind of an interesting thing. So I haven't done that yet. Um, and they're like, "Oh, we want to buy more next year," and I'm like, "Okay, cool." Like. This is awesome. Um, so yeah, I right now we sell whole hogs, um, but we're I'm working towards USDA and selling individual cuts, um, like I do the sheep. Um, it's just been a little bit more difficult um, with getting in with the processors and stuff. So, what's that relationship like with the processor for your sheep and your hogs? And then how far is that that you have to go for that? So they're great. There's a, actually a bunch of processors. Um, we just got like a bunch of them. And um, there are a couple that are closer, but they're so hard to get into. Um, and it seems like they aren't like a one-stop shop. Like every, they, you know, one goes to like one facility, then it's transferred to another another facility for butchering. And then it's transferred to, a, to another facility to go into a freezer. Um, and I really don't care for that. Like I want it to be like a one-stop shop like I don't want the animal I want I wanted to I don't want to have to have it like it going through so many channels so the processor that I work with they were they're um they are fifth generation ranchers so they understand the system and um understand all the hardships and and everything and they're super nice they're, they're, I think they're similar to my age but um it's which is amazing that they're opening up they opened up their own processing facility um especially in our area um, so they're two hours away from me, um, and they're one-stop shops. They do the the the, uh, the butcher and the packaging, and then I pick it up from them. Um, and they've been great uh, to work with, and typically easy to get in with. Um, I think our busy season to try and get in with them is normally in like summer, so I have to like definitely plan that out. Um, and that gets hard too with living where I live and like having the time to like make sure I can like get you know to the processor um on time and <laughs> have no hiccups happen down the hill like I, I think the last time I hel- I went to the processor like the tire on the trailer went out and I was like oh no <laughs> that's stressful no matter what but when you have that far to go I feel like it's super stressful yeah that's how uh, yesterday I, I need to get tires from my truck and I'm like I started thinking of something. I've never living up here. I've never gotten sh- like broke down in a spot without cell service, and it's like I want to keep it that way because I don't know. I told my husband like on the phone last night, like I don't know what I would do. Like, do I hike ten miles back like towards the house to get cell service, or do I keep hiking down to get cell service? Like, which way do I go? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you could join us today. You can support the mission of the Farming on Purpose podcast and be part of the tribe dedicated to building ag legacies at farmingonpurpose.com shop. You'll find apparel, office supplies, stickers, planners, and more, all inspired by the people living out ag legacies every day. Well, it's interesting to hear how that all works for you guys. What about the fiber? What's your kind of next step after shearing with that? Um, so the fiber, I actually have had a couple people locally reach out to me that want to uh, start using it for like spinning. Um, so I'm learning a little bit more about that from them, um, on what they need for that. Um, my sheep are in some pretty heavy brush, um, some of the time of the year. So that kind of like wrecks their wool. So I definitely have to plan that out, um, to make sure that's not like all messed up for them. Um, but I typically use the wool in my pasture, um, and I've been, uh, spreading it out over bolt, like spots that are bare, um, and putting seed down. I put the wool down and then it like sprouts the seeds. And then I use it. I'm dabbling <laughs> in, uh, spinning myself. Like I'm trying to learn. I'm like, this is so difficult. No wonder why everyone doesn't do this. <laughs> um, but I make dryer balls out of it. My mom's starting to like felt little creatures like she sent me a picture the other day i'm like oh my gosh that is like a sheep mouse thing that you got going on i'm like it's super cute though (laughs) so um yeah that's what i'm doing with that and then like i said when um 
I have the sheet processed. I I keep their hides. Um, and so I'm having hides. I do the hide tanning myself. Um, it's getting to be a little bit uh, much with the amount of sheep. So I'll probably be outsourcing that sec- that portion of it. And what do you do with the tanned hides? Um, sell them. Is that like, what do people, this is so naive, but what do people use those for? Is it like... Like decor, like I have one on the back okay. of my couch. Right yeah. Um, and my mom has like two of them in her living room over the back. Okay. Yeah. My aunt, my aunt has like a small boutique store, um, full like unique items. And she's always like, oh my gosh, can I have like buy some of those? But I normally like when I get them, like they're gone so quick. And I'm like, I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> so very, yeah. Cool. That's what I, that's what people use them for. Neat. Well, there's so much to, that goes into trying to use the whole animal, like you said, and that's a big goal for you. Is that something that is important to you because of your background or just like management wise, or why was that such a big focus for you going into it? Um, I was raised um, in a hunting family and it's always just been instilled in us that like, it's just respect for the animal um, to use the whole animal if you can. Um, I just started, um, I haven't released it yet, <laughs> but I just started making tallow um, and lard, like the lard from the pigs. I make um, lead balm out of that. So um, that's just another thing that I was like, it normally gets wasted and thrown away. And I'm like, how can I use it? And the business benefit from it too. And, the, and we respect the animal in that way too. So... That's really cool. There's so much extra work that goes into that. Do you get overwhelmed with all of the different like systems you're putting in place? I do. And it's all, um, I, I get really overwhelmed and stressed out. Like my husband's like, take a deep breath. Um, I do worry, um, in the future that when stuff starts to really take off, um, I mean, since already taking off, uh, that it will become too much. And because of where I live, I'm not able to actually bring in help. So that is a, a, a future thing that I'm already like, kind of like thinking about and like ways I can like manage that. Um, because I mean, I, I also homeschool my son, so he's with me 24 seven. He, he helps me, um, out, but no, I'm homeschooling too. So it's like, there, there, yeah, it does feel some some days like a little heavy. Yeah, there's only so many hours in the day and so many things you know, to take responsibility for. Right, yeah. What is that um, like having your son at home while you're managing the farm and trying to homeschool? What's that been like or why is that important to you? Um, so he was going to the, the school in our small town, um, which is 45 minutes away. Um, and that school, I think right now only has 25 kids. And so there's like four grades to a classroom. They're all in one classroom and he was just falling behind so bad. So, um, and then the drive just got so tiring along with everything else. Like, I think it was not last year, but the year before, um, during lambing season, I, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't drive him to school and like back the whole back and forth, like you know um so i made the big decision this last year to take him out and we've been homeschooling so this is our second year homeschooling um and it's been it's been interesting um but we really like it and it's been a lot less stressful um and he's learned so much because he's with me a lot of the time so he's i mean last year he was like right in there with me like you he helped me deliver a lamb um he delivered a couple piglets luckily he was there because my hand was like way too big for what was going on <laughs> i was like you're hanging <laughs> uh, so he's learning a lot it's been really good for us um we've gotten a lot closer um it's just it's just been i think a lot easier like he's she, the drive was like tiring to him too like it was just a fight to get him to get up like that early in the morning and to get down to school i was like no like this isn't working anymore <laughs> this isn't working anymore we need to pivot um so i think and then that actually homeschooling him actually has made it so i've been um using a planner more like i've actually gotten more scheduled which isn't really nice because I never really was like that person. I was just like fly by the seat of my pants and did what I want. Um, and then I couldn't figure out like why everything was always like chaos. 
Um, so I've been using a planner a lot more. Um, I'm actually like super proud this last year I bought the planner and I finished it this year. I showed my ass. I'm like, look, I use this planner every single day. That's awesome. I was a little bit more organized. That's really cool. What kind of a planner do you use? I use the plum planner. Oh, I think Uh, I've seen those. Yeah. So you can like customize it. So it was really easy for me to like do blocks. Um, you know, I had like a homeschooling block, a work block, a family block, um, of pages and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. I, I've never finished a planner all the way through, but I'm kind of on a planner kick recently. Um, and I'm really excited. I just got one that's like a 90 day planner. That's so it's like to help you focus in on some really key goals for 90 days. I'm excited to start using that, but I've been similar. I'll like use it for a little bit. And then I'm like, I can't do this. I it's, I just, I need my chaos back. Well, and like I half the time, like and my husband mentions like, well, half the time the stuff that you write down there, you don't even like your life is so like chaotic with like the animals and everything. He's like, you don't follow it. I'm like, yeah, but it felt good to write it down. And I had a plan. And even though I had to like shift it, it's still just like writing it down and being like, okay, like I have it's all down in front of me. Like and yeah, I think it's day. like that that thinking ahead of time. That's helpful because yeah. it's like, even if it doesn't happen, I took the time to think about it and kind of get yeah. in the mindset for how to make that decision. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's so interesting to hear um, from you being so rural there in California, because that is not the stereotype of what people think California living is like. What do you wish people knew more about how, like how that lifestyle is for you guys? Um, I wish people knew that there's a lot more to California. Um, it's a very big state. It's very spread out. Um, there's, you know, we have very big cities and then we have very large like areas that are, you know, park and privately owned land. Um, and so I just wish people knew that, that there still are like areas like mine out there, um, that, don't have access to like all the, you know, they don't have a target. They don't have gas station. They don't have like grocery stores and, um, not all services are going to come out here. Um, I think we've been looking for a roofer for like a year and a half now (laughs) to come out here. But I'm like, every time they're like, they see the address they're like, that's really far. No. (laughs) So it's like, you know, um, back to yeah there you go right <laughs> so i wish people i wish people knew that california is more than just um you know la san francisco and then like the border of morgan and you know the next state it's like it's it's very it's huge and we're very very diverse um you know there's tons of farms um tons of tons of everything here um but we definitely still have rural areas and small towns yeah. Um, funny social media people are like oh you live in California like you know and then like they start seeing a little bit more on my Instagram stories and they're like that's California and I'm like yeah there's still this here <laughs> it still exists it's starting to shrink but yeah <laughs> it's just yeah it's just not at all what you imagine or how it's portrayed it online or on TV or anything like that I've been to California once but it was definitely too like that touristy area that everybody pictures. Um, Well, I think it's interesting what you're doing and really cool how you are growing the way that you are as you are expanding, as everything has been, it sounds like uh, maybe to your husband's dismay at some some point. Um, What have you been thinking about as you grow that you like, I really want to focus on this or this is the part that is really meaningful to me. What's been important to you about that process? Um, my, so I think it's important to know the big goal. So when I first started, it was a dream that I had, um, that was like my own personal dream. And then as I got more into it, um, I guess another thing I would want people to know about California is like, we're really, it's expensive state. Um, and so one of the things that's always been a struggle, um, is the family land and keeping it. Um, and so like as taxes and prices and things go up, it's always like a constant like worry. Um, and so when I started this, I was like, Oh, this is my dream. Like, you know, I had like, I have all these goals and I still have those goals. I think my ultimate goal would to be, um, 
to leave something behind for my son so he isn't just getting a piece of land that he's having to also worry about but that's like it's actually like making an income for him um and whether he wants to keep branching or hire someone else to take it over at least like that's there so he has a little bit of stability knowing that he can keep that so that's my main goal um as far as my little stepping stones um getting i'd like to ship nationwide um right now i'm only shipping to oregon nevada and utah and california and obviously i want to get the pork in into that and right now we're just doing local um and then i'd like to host events up here um it's such a beautiful area and I think it has a lot to offer. And so um, I think it'd be fun to do like a couple women's retreats um, and then a couple like maybe even kids, um, kids and parents like retreat to like get people out of the city like and come come here and see and learn. Um, I think that would be like really cool. And that's definitely on my my to-do list. <laughs> that sounds so cool. As far as you said, you want to ship nationwide. Um, for people who are not as familiar with eating lamb, what do they need to know about trying it for the first time or like how they should prepare it? And not all sheep are created equal. <laughs> I want to go with that. Like there are certain breeds that just taste woolier than others. Um, it's That was one of the reasons why I went with... Um, the breed that I have now, it doesn't have a woolly flavor. It's so mild and so tender. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I would say my biggest thing is don't overcook it. Um, everyone always cooks it to temperature and then and then it's like sitting longer and then it, it just tastes good. Um, so I'm, I'm always like pull it off before like it gets to that temperature and let it rest. Um, that would be my biggest advice when cooking lamb. Um, don't overcook it. Um, and... I think another big stigma around lamb is it always has to be like rosemary. Like you have to have like rosemary like with it. You don't. Um, I was just actually visiting my friend yesterday and he's like, oh, I had, he's like, I had your ground lamb. He's like, we had lamb tacos. So he made tacos out of it. Um, So it's, it's versatile, like just like any other meat. Um, But I think there's like a big stigma. It has to be like rosemary. Everything's for rosemary. It's only Sunday night dinner and it's definitely not. It's, you can definitely have it every day. Um, if anything, I'd say it's like a lighter, um, I, I think the most thing people have been telling me, they're like, oh, it's like a lighter beef. Like, mm-hmm. I guess you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's still red meat. Um, and depending on where you get your lamb from, um, it can have like, it's just a lighter, like lighter beef, I guess you could say. <laughs> Good to know. Um, at least mine is. Um, but yeah, I would say, uh, source your lamb. Um, don't, if you get lamb and you don't like it, maybe try a different farm, um, closer by, um, and definitely, uh, definitely get experiment with it. Like don't, don't just read a recipe like, have you rosemary again and sage or, um, something like that. Um, cause it's definitely, you can definitely do a lot of stuff with it. That is really good to know. Is there anything that folks should list, look for in like different cuts that are available like in beef? I know we always look for like a certain level of marbling or is there things like that that you want to look for with lamb? Um, I definitely like notice a difference when a lamb is like grain fed versus the the grass finished. Um, I, I personally like the grass finished, but my neighbor like miles down the road they grain finishers and so you can definitely like taste the difference i i mean that's that's something i would look for something i would ask about um i definitely would like i said i think the breed it's like really important with the breed and the time of year that they're butchered um the the time of year that they're butchered definitely matters like if you're butchering during um seasons of rut like the male can taste funkier um then you know they if you would butcher them like in summer or spring um so yeah (laughs) so much to learn about (laughs) new things and i should i should clarify that we have sheep in kansas it's just mostly like for show show lambs okay not like a lot of people that are producing it for the meat and the fiber but well, okay. Lots of ground that we've covered today. You have a lot of cool stuff going on and I love hearing how you're growing. What, um, I know you've got some other things that are happening too on your website. Tell us more about that. Um, with what? 
Um, I think you had mentioned that you have some things that you sell there from some local makers. Oh, yeah. So I'm expanding um, the ranch. <laughs> Sorry, my brain. Um, I'm <laughs> my ranch goods. So like the ranch goods section of the website, like I have some stuff that I make. And then um, I try and source locally like other um, people that make handmade goods and then just the general U.S. Um, so I, I have some people that I've been working with. Um, there's a company out of Arizona. They just made me some custom tea towels and they're super cute and they're 100% cotton. Um, there's another company, um, another shepherdess, um, that makes wool sponges, um, which is super exciting. Um, cause I can't wait to use them, <laughs> use my own. Um, so those are coming to the ranch goods stores. And then, like I said, I'm making, um, tallow face balm and then, um, the lard lip balm. And then, um, I have some other, like I make the wool dryer balls and I have some other things coming out on that too. Um, so yeah, that's been, I've been trying to like diversify in that sense, um, brings in like an income for the ranch, my little ranch. And, um, I'm able to use a lot of the animal stuff too, along with that. Um, so I'm supposed to be making tallow or lard candles. Um, so I'm like messing around with that stuff and I'm, and seeing how I can incorporate that into the ranch goods. Um, and then, so I ship that and then I also kind of just do a few local, um, either like craft fairs or um, like in December, my friend just invited me to, um, there's like a vendor thing at like one of the local schools and it's like a um, Waldorf type school. Um, so people that are into that kind of stuff. Um, so I'll, I do that probably like kind of twice a year. Very cool. I think it's always good when you can diversify, especially as like a young farmer who's growing because w- with us, like, one hard lesson to learn in ranching can like make your life really difficult. And it's like, okay, am I even going to still be able to do this next year? I don't know. So diversification makes such a huge difference. Yeah, it does. I, I wasn't sure if I thought if doing an online store was going to be for me and it's been like a slow, a very slow process. Cause I'm not really good about like talking about it. Um, but I am like, that was one of my goals, um, this year was to get better. So I'm like, okay, I need to do that. I need to get better at talking about it. Um, and so the the craft fairs definitely help with that too. Because um, then you're kind of getting yourself out there. Um, but yeah, I definitely need... <laughs> I'm definitely putting energy into that um, and making sure that all the goods that I'm bringing into that are locally or like made in the US by like local makers. Um, that's really important to me. Um, and it helps other, like the one local maker I'm working with, they're like, oh, wow, thank you for ordering like so much. And like, you know, they're super excited. Um, so it, it, it builds relationships too. Yeah. Always cool when you can work together with other people who have cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to work like the, the people with the wool sponges. It's like, it, you know, they're doing what I'm doing. So I'm like, it's kind of, it's really cool. I'm like, okay, well, I'll buy your sponges from you. Um, because I support the values and and everything so yeah well I realized one question I didn't ask when we were kind of talking about the production and everything you're doing there is what has been some of your biggest learning opportunities as you have started to grow more um with the particular sheep that I have I wish I would have known like they have a high mineral requirement Mm -hmm. uh so that's been a little bit of a learning curve there because um, I got like 50 million different answers for people, um, including the vet. Like I picking a breed, a heritage breed like I did um, in the area that I live in um, was probably like definitely like a learning curve because they're they're different than, you know, um, like the Dorsets and all the other ones that are, you know, that are commercially here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like when I asked other producers about it, they 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 feed different they their mineral requires requirements are different so that's been um difficult for me because i don't really have a ton of local mentors that know a lot about that breed um another big thing i i guess the learning curve um which i wish people talked more about is sheep are not easy <laughs> they're um always trying to unalive themselves <laughs> And I guess it's the best, best way to put it. Um, they're they're 
they require a ton more management. And I think that's probably one of the top three reasons why um, the sheep industry is like slowly like kind of dwindling is it's just the amount of work that goes into it is a lot. Like you don't, you don't get paid, really paid for that um, for some of it. So I wish that was um, something I would have like kind of, I mean, I still probably would have gotten the sheep anyways. Um, But I wish I would have known that going into it. Um, And then the other thing is, is people don't um, know a lot about land meat, surprisingly. Like it just, because after the war, it just kind of went away and people had like the stigma of it. Uh, I think a lot of people think it just tastes like woolly and nasty. (laughs) Um, So I wish people knew that it, it actually tastes really good fact that they try to unalive themselves as you said knowing that ahead of time you probably would have had an easier time emotionally because <laughs> it can yeah. be so upsetting when yeah. those things start to happen and I feel like it if it's one it's always like five more than and yeah. it's just very discouraging when those they always happen. are just like looking for that they're they're I always like to explain that they're like toddlers are always looking for trouble <laughs> Like they're like, oh, mom's not looking. So let's just go get into trouble. And I always have, have like the rule in my house is don't go check on the sheep if you're needing to be somewhere. Like if you need to be somewhere, you're like in a hurry, don't go check on them because guaranteed like this morning, I, I told myself, I was like, let's get a tours done this morning because we're, we're heading out of town later. And um, I was like, in that way, like when we're done, like, you know, we we don't have to worry we just go get in the truck and go and then i started thinking about it i'm like no we're gonna leave the sheep for after <laughs> for after we're not gonna go check on the sheep right now <laughs> it'll because always take too long yeah i guarantee there's something going on <laughs> oh man well um last couple questions i have here is the, f- the first one is what kind of advice would you give to someone who wants to get started doing something like what you do or just get started in farming and ranching in general um definitely reach out to a local farm um someone that's willing to like take the time to like go over things with you explain things with with the way they they do if you have the opportunity to maybe go to a couple different farms um different styles of management to see like what's going to work with you um because everyone does stuff different and like what one person's doing may not work for the other one. Um, And when I first started, that's kind of, you know, I had probably four different people that I reached out to and their management styles and the things that they did were like completely like different from each other. And so I was like, oh my gosh, which one do I pick? And I realized when I got more into it, I'm like, I don't have to actually pick which one, pick a certain one. I just need to pick what works for me um so definitely i feel like reaching out to other local farms is the way to go and making sure you have access to that if you if, if you can that would be peeping help um and then definitely like doing research on leased land like i i have the opportunity to have some land i lease it um but not everyone has that opportunity i know that can be difficult so if you're starting out um, and you have big, big dreams and goals, definitely like that could be like a huge, like burden to like deal with. Um, so yeah, reaching out to mentors, just doing some general research, I think would be good. Access to land is like a whole can of worms. It's like, it's so crazy. Um, <laughs> there was, before I took this lease, I was like looking at other leased areas, which I was going to have to drive like an hour um and it was just so so expensive i was like yeah i don't think like right now there's no way i can like do this um and then the lease with um my husband's mom came up and i was like i think i can do that i think i can speak <laughs> so and in an hour <laughs> That's so yeah yeah um okay well the last question i want to ask then today is um what has you fired up lately or what did we not get the chance to talk about yet today that you really wanted to talk about um i think that what has me fired up lately is (laughs) it's property taxes honestly um it's just that's been a like really huge stressor like we just had 
a thousand dollars just for fire the fire departments to fight fires and for us they don't fight fires for us out here like so there's a big fire um and it's gonna threaten like a town they'll they'll fight that versus like out here so we're kind of left to fend on our own (laughs) so that was kind of like uh i'm like wow we're paying you know um per parcel for a hundred dollars um per parcel and we still don't have the support out here um so yeah that's been that's been on my mind um the other thing that's been on my mind is the fact that it's things have been made so difficult for people to get into like the processors like the farmers and ranchers um it's just like we don't have enough um so that's been like that's been difficult yeah does that cause you issues like as far as trying to plan when you're going to send them there yeah as far as like how finished they are or yeah it it does like you know this last um it was in july i had a group go in and they were like well you either need to bring them in like tomorrow or we're not going to be able to get you until september um and i was like they definitely needed like a i would say like another month (laughs) i thought i thought i was calling ahead um but they're just so slammed and like overbooked um because there's just enough of the process you know processors usda um in our area yeah we had um you'll have to listen when it comes out but i had a meat market on um an interview that it'll be coming out here in november and they talked about just how much of a jump it is to get to a usda um inspected plant from your local or your state level one and how much different the requirements are it's like it's no wonder that they're slammed because that's like completely ridiculous to think about well, and it makes it difficult too. Like, I mean, so it's difficult for us, difficult for the for the butchers and the processors because we're all like, you know, like, you know, why is this working? And then you have your customers and trying to explain to them, um, especially if you're processing whole animals, they just like, they don't understand um, that there's like just so much difficulties in like politics and everything like in play that, you know, it's like, we're trying our best, um, but it just kind of goes with everything else <laughs> for sure well and then the wildfires out there i think we could do a whole episode on all of the challenges that go along with that in your area yeah it's gotten uh, a little bit better uh because of the the goat and sheep grazing um i was dabbling in that um but because of where i live it's just it's really hard being one person to do that but um with with uh, the grazers they're doing like amazing work um and other other states are calling suit other states are calling my mom my mom actually is a, a vegetation management specialist and so that's what she does and um she had someone from colorado call her and they're like hey we want to like implement your program in colorado to counteract like our wildfires um so it's kind of neat to see how i mean california has always been like the leading <laughs> that's at first um so it's kind of neat to see how this is like transitioning over to other states and how like other states are going to hopefully be using sheep and goats to counteract that um that'll be really cool to see how that changes things yeah it will be cool to see how that it how that'll work awesome well thank you so much um for being on this episode charity i enjoyed getting to talk to you and learn more about what you're doing and about sheep (laughs) um if folks want to follow up with you or learn more about what you're doing where can they find you uh they can find me on instagram and facebook and they can always reach out to me like through my website if they want to um chat me an email perfect and it's wild things ranch is your yeah it's wild things ranch it's wild things underscore ranch okay Perfect. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes so folks can find you. Thank you again so much for sharing what you guys do today. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or join the conversation on social media. Do you have a topic you would like to discuss or know someone with a story to share? Apply to be a guest on the podcast at farmingonpurpose.com. 
You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, on your favorite social media platforms for more content by searching for Farming on Purpose. And remember, if you look around your table and aren't inspired by the people there, it's time to find a new seat.